did he believe? What was his worldview? How did he see the world? And that's what we're interested in as we go through this series over the next uh, several weeks. And I've titled it, Knowing Jesus, His Call, uh, His Call to Commitment. And last week we looked at that idea of commitment. And so we do the same this week. And really the theme this week is, as you see under the heading there, a loose grip on the world. A loose grip on the world. And we'll get into this in some more detail, but I cannot tell you how important this principle is. A loose grip on the world. And hopefully you'll understand what I mean when I say that by the end of this message. A loose grip on the world. That was Jesus' worldview. He didn't hold on tightly to the things of the world. He was very concerned about the things of God. That's what he held on tightly to, the things of God being God himself, but he held on tightly to that things of the world he did not hold on to. And we see that teaching very plainly in chapter 6 of Matthew. In your listening guide you have that scripture. And today we have a lot of scripture to work through and Hopefully it will uh, be helpful to you because I want you to see the worldview of Jesus and the importance of having a loose grip on the world. Matthew 6, starting at 19, 19, 20, and 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where neither moth nor dust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is will be also. The big idea is here that Jesus calls disciples to have a loose grip on the world. Now let me explain what that means. You feel that? You remember that? You felt more and more like you were holding, this is my job, this is my job. You hadn't even had an interview yet. But it, it, this is my job, I want this job. Or maybe it's a promotion, you could think of that in the sense of a promotion. I want this promotion and then it goes to someone else, and oh, or they didn't call you back for the interview, or the promotion went to someone else, and didn't that hurt? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's why it hurts when they don't call you back. On the, or perhaps you've been through applying to a school. You wanted to go to a, a certain school, or maybe you wanted a certain teacher in school, and you applied or you asked to be in that teacher's class because that teacher had really something special you wanted to learn and you wanted to be there and, and you sent in all your materials and you, you organized your other schedule around there and the other classes and you had it all figured out and this was going to be perfect with your schedule, how it was going to work this semester and then they said the class is full. Oh no! Because we, we, in so many different areas of life, we hold tight to the things of the world. That's part of being human. We naturally do that. And Jesus is saying, we have to learn to hold loosely. It doesn't mean not apply for a job or, or don't apply to be in that class with that good teacher. But be cautious about holding on so tightly because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also and broken hearts come there. So he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, 
Now he's bringing in specifically the idea of financial treasure because so many people, so many of us, have that problem with financial. I mean, it's very practical. We could talk of school or job applications or whatever, a car, whatever else you could think of, any kind of an example, but when you bring it into financial or money, then it really hits everybody. Whatever culture you come from or whatever state you come from, whatever family you come from, everyone can identify with that. And Jesus is really penetrating there on that point. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, where moth and rust destroy. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. So the obvious question, where is your treasure? We'll look a little closely at that as we go on. But where is your treasure? I have to ask myself in preparing the message, Pastor Mark, where is your treasure? Honestly. Where is, your, where is your treasure? What brings you satisfaction? That job, that teacher, that school, that car, that house, that person, that group of people? Have you ever been told that you couldn't be in with a group of people? Doesn't that hurt? Oh, wow, I can remember holding on very tightly, wanting to be in with a group of people, and to find out, no, I, for one reason or another, can't be in with that group of people. And it hurts, and Jesus says, a loose grip on the world. So knowing Jesus means having a loose grip on the world. We see a little more of this in Matthew 19. You have that passage also, Matthew 19, 16 to 22. Read with me. And behold, teacher... What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not keep adultery. These are ten commandments here. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, if we're not careful, we could look at that last phrase there and say, well, Jesus is against people having possessions. No, Jesus is concerned where our heart is. Jesus is concerned on what you are holding on tightly to. It says he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, he was holding on tightly to those possessions. And Jesus challenges him to release it, let it go. And he couldn't do it. And he went away sorrowful because he was an honest man. He didn't lie to himself or lie to other people. He went away sorrowful because he knew he had just been offered eternal life and he walked. Jesus shows us some interesting things in this passage and 
Uh, I have four of them listed on your listening guide. There would be more, but they'd be helpful for us in this idea of keeping a light grip on the world. Now, I can't tell you how important this topic is. No matter what stage, station in life you are in this morning, we're all in the different ones. Some are a little closer than others, but we're, you are holding on to something tightly, and so am I. And we have to check our hearts which make sure that it's Jesus who we're hanging on to. It doesn't mean not to hang on to anything else in the world and not be concerned or not carry your responsibilities, but do a check. What has a hold of us and what do we have hold of? Do we have that loose grip? So many, so many problems in our world that we face are because our grip is tight on the things of the world. First thing Jesus does is turn this man's attention to God. Number one, Jesus turns this man's attention towards God. Not simply the benefits gained from God. You, you recognize the distinction? How many of us are interested in Jesus, interested in God because of the benefits that God gives, God's promises? Jesus is not interested in that. He, he wants us to receive Him, Him. The benefits are secondary, it's Him. Jesus wants this man to know God and know that God is supreme. He turns this man's attention towards God, not the benefits of God. He says this by saying, why do you ask me what is good? There is only one. Notice how he's shifting it from being non-personal to personal. There is only one who is good. Well, now this man knew what that meant. There's only one who is good. The, the scholars and commentators that uh, have studied this passage pretty much in their agreement this, this was an intelligent man perhaps a Pharisee, perhaps a young Pharisee, because he says he kept the commandments. And the Pharisees were very vigilant about keeping the commandments. Perhaps that would be true. The Scripture doesn't give us a lot of information there, but they're kind of coming at it another direction. This man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, well, the man knows that there's some information to be gained from Jesus. He calls him teacher. He doesn't just call him some casual name. He comes up to him sincerely and says, Teacher, what good deed? He's, he's interested in this thing of eternal life. What good deed must I do to gain eternal life? So this man is interested in eternal things. So he's probably a, a religious type of man. So he comes to Jesus and he asks this question. And Jesus turns his attention immediately to God, and that's what you and I need to do. We need to have God do that to us, but it'd be helpful if we would cooperate, of course. It, we need to turn our attention to what God thinks is important and not what we think is important. Get our mind on God's agenda, not our agenda. This is what Jesus is doing to this man here. This idea of a loose grip on the world. Loosen yourself of your possessions because that's your problem, young man. The first thing is, he takes his mind. There's only one who is good. 
His mind goes to God. See, if your mind and my mind are on the classroom we're going to be in, the school we're going to be in, the home we're going to be in, the job that we'll have, the car that we'll drive, the instrument that we'll play, whatever. If our mind is there and not there, we're going to be holding on tightly to the things of the world because when those things are removed from us, it will be crushing, including life itself. Holding on to our own life so tightly we don't trust God. We don't loosen our grip. Pointing his mind towards God. Jesus is radically God-centered and his disciples, you, me, as we walk this path of knowing Jesus, following Jesus, he calls us to be radically God-centered. In the hardest moments of your life, you have to be radically God-centered. Secondly, Jesus reminds the man that only God is good. See, it's an interesting thing what we, each of us, have in common. We tightly hold on to that which we perceive to be good. Whatever it is, of the thousand examples... Whatever we perceive to be good, we tight grandson, good thing, granddaughter, well, of course, good. We tightly hold on to them. That's just the way we are. Not that that's wrong, but Jesus wants to reorient our perspective to tightly holding on to God. We tightly hold on to what we perceive as good. The reason so many people don't hold on to God, they don't perceive Him as good. And so it's very rational in their mind. Why, wouldn't, why would I want to follow God? Or why would I want to study about God? Why would I want to pattern my life around God? Because they don't really think He's good. They, they know they should think that He's good. But that is shown by what they rightly, what they hold on to very tightly. And so knowing that human beings will hold on to what they perceive as being good. Third, Jesus calls this man to align himself with God's character. That's what the Ten Commandments are. That's God's character. But that's not a list of, I must do this so I can go to heaven. Uh, eternal life is by faith, by grace. By grace, God's grace alone. It's not a to-do list, but we look at that. I must do this list to be a right person in the sight of God. Those reflect God's character. If you think about it, think of the Ten Commandments. That's, if you want to know God, that's, that's His character. He's not a liar. He's not a murderer. God doesn't covet. Jesus is calling this man to align himself with God's character. He says that you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, God doesn't have a father or mother, that's not what we mean there, but that's God's character, that respect be given towards other human beings and that children give respect 
through their parents and through their grandparents. That's God's character. That's a picture. And the man says that he's kept all of those commands. And he has not. Because if he looks at it legalistically, no, I'm not an adulterer. I have not lied. I have not stolen. I have checked off this list. I have kept that. Jesus sees beyond that. What Jesus is seeing, saying is, the man wants to know what he must have to have eternal life. Jesus says, keep the commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying, align yourself with God's character. He hadn't done that. His heart is not where God's heart would be. And we see later in the story because he turns and walks away because he's got a tight grip on his possessions. Jesus calls the man to align himself with God's character. That is this call for disciples then and today. You and I are called to align ourselves with the character of God. That's how we loosen our grip on the things of the world. The, the more you and I press into God, aligning our character with God, well, we can receive blessings, but we can let them go, too, when it's time to let them go. And there's a season, right? We receive, and then there's a season often when it's time to let go. And we need that loose grip on the world. We hold too tightly, and all sorts of dysfunction can come out of that, and maybe not even we wouldn't say dysfunction, but just pain and, and hurt because of holding on too tightly, aligning ourselves with the character of God. So that's discipleship. Jesus is pointing this man towards God's character. He's pointing us to align ourselves with God's character. Being a disciple is about, did you hear the word? Being. You've said it a hundred times perhaps in your life. Being a disciple. Discipleship's not about doing, it's about being. I'm seeing mothers in the congregation this morning. I'm seeing mothers in front of me. Mothering, you would probably say as we would discuss this, is about being. Of course you do a tremendous amount of work. There's a tremendous amount of doing being a mother and a grandmother, but it fundamentally is about being because if you don't if you're being who you are if you don't love the child that affects your doing being a disciple is about being being the character of God pressing into that fourth Jesus challenges the man to loosen his grip on what truly satisfies him Oh, that's such a challenge for us. Because that, that, that kind of question on what satisfies you is probably not something to be discussed. It, may be, it perhaps would be in a Bible study or in a prayer meeting, but it's probably going to be in the silence of your own time with God being honest what truly satisfies you. God your satisfier? Is Jesus your satisfier? I have to ask that. I don't say that to condemn anyone here today or listening by audio recording. It's just a question we have to ask ourselves. Jesus wants to be our satisfier. 
our provider. Come to me and I will give you rest. He wants to be the one who satisfies. So he challenges this man. The man says, I've done all of these things, Jesus, and it's one thing you lack. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all you possess. Give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Release what you have this tight hold on. Release it and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now see, your possessions, you may not be exactly in the place that this man was in. That may not be what grips you. It may be a relationship that really grips you. It may be a condition in your life. And that's your identity. If you didn't have that condition, who would you be? Well, I've known plenty of people. You probably would too. They wouldn't dream of giving up their condition. <laughs> they've had their condition for 20 years. That's how everybody knows them. That, that they've lived with it. They rise in the morning and that's who they are. They go to sleep at night. They, they've got that condition and that's who they are. And if somebody said, man, you could be liberated from that. You could get released of that. No, I don't want that. I'd be, I'd be complete. People, would, who would I, what would I do? How would I interact with people? That's exactly what people are walking through today. That's exactly. They don't really want to let go of that. Jesus promises deliverance. So what my point is in these examples is that it may not be possessions for you. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be something that you're holding on to so tightly and Jesus is calling you to just, I need to just let that, I need to have a loose grip on the world, tighten my grip on the Lord Jesus. Luke 9, 23 to 25 gives us a little bit of an example. Several others. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Notice the daily so that doesn't mean go out and, and commit suicide and take up your cross and die. The cross was an emblem of death. We've discussed that before. But he says, notice, take it up daily and do some following. So there's some, there's some living that's going on in this. Taking up your cross. Well, what does that mean? That means, just imagine Jesus with his cross. He had all the power in the universe. He has a loose grip on the things of the world. He has a firm grip on the things of God and the direction he's going Jesus says, take your, up your cross daily. Take up God daily. Have a loose grip on the things daily. Whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever would tightly hold on to the things of the world, you'll lose it. It'll hurt. But whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. Whoever holds on tightly to Jesus will gain his Life, a loose grip on the world. The prayer of Jesus. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. Being of the world means having a tight grip on the system of the world. Being of the world. Having a high value on what the world, meaning the world, mean the, mean the things opposed to God that are against God, that going in a different direction than the direction of God's character. 
they are not of the world, as I am not of the world. They're not of the world because Jesus is not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Look at that just in the terms of releasing, loose grip of the world. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Of course they're eating food. Of course they're traveling. Of course they're living life. Jesus moved around. He was living life. But he didn't have such a 